Hope your summer's going well so far. It's been plenty hot, I think. I thought we were going to get a lot of rain yesterday. I sure wish we would have. If you're new here today, we have been preaching through the book of Matthew. And uh, we are starting with Matthew 26, but we're not going to start Matthew 26 until August 7th. And so uh, for the next several weeks, we're going to do some different things. And uh, we're going to have some guest preachers along the way, as you are aware. Those of you who are members here, I'm going to be involved in working on some school stuff, taking some time to work on dissertation work. I will be on study leave starting this week all the way through next week. And I want you to be in prayer for that. I just ask you to remember me in that. Today, I want to remind you of why Southside Baptist Church exists. Why do we exist as a church? And we have determined as we sought the Lord that His specific call on this body, the purpose that He's placed on us, is to glorify Him by loving Jesus, by knowing the truth, by serving others and reaching people for Jesus Christ. That's, that's why we exist as a church, to, to be disciples and to make disciples. And on this day, Father's Day, I found it to be fitting to encourage you men in your responsibility as it relates to why we exist as a church. And I want to look at a passage together that has been one of my favorite in terms of encouraging to me to walk faithfully as a man. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. First Corinthians 13, or 16, verses 13 and 14. By the way, if you looked in your bulletin to see what was going to be happening during the preaching time today, and you saw Jamie Moore's name, um, and, and now I'm up here, I can promise you there's no one more relieved that I'm up here than Jamie. So he's, he's excited there was a little problem with the bulletin. Although I thought it would be funny to not even, just once I saw that, just to leave. Just, just go to Jack and Jill Donuts or something and pray for Jamie. I thought that would be a lot of fun. All right, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13 and 14. Paul is here giving a final charge to the church of Corinth, the letter he's addressed to them to help them walk faithfully with Jesus Christ. And this is what he says in his concluding just challenge to them. Be on alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all you do be done in love. Now I want to walk through each one of these phrases And I want to specifically apply it to the life of the men in this church. That does not mean that the rest of you can tune out. Ladies, this certainly applies to you, but I want to speak specifically to our man for a reason. And I'll share more about that in a minute. The first phrase is be on alert. Have you ever been driving down the highway? And and maybe you're just a little distracted or you get a little drowsy and you're just kind of in that in-between state you know you shouldn't be but you are you ever been like that you're just driving along and you hit that rumble strip I mean that will shock the living daylights out of you when you hit that I just hate that rumble strip but I'm thankful for it because it probably has saved my life on a number of occasions but uh, the second I hit that rumble strip I come to alertness I'm like I am so ready not to hit that rumble strip again you know and uh, what I what I think about that is that whenever that Whenever we perceive a threat, our level of alertness rises. Whenever we're lulled into believing there's no real threat, 
our level of alertness goes down. If there's one thing I've learned over the years of working in the church, being around other men of faith, is that the level of threat in our lives is always much higher than what we see or understand. And we should take careful time and pay careful attention to the threats that surround us as men so that our level of alertness towards the threat of the enemy towards us is is congruent with the level of threat. We, We cannot as men be lulled into a position of complacency. We must be on alert because threats are all around us. And if I've, if I've learned anything over the years, I've come to an increasing awareness that every man in the church is under a threat, attacked by the enemy. You, you dismantle the men in the church. You, you bring divisiveness. You bring problems. You bring complacency and despondency in the men of the church, and the church will die. And I want to tell you guys, I perceive, and I think many of you along with me perceive that God is at work in this place. I mean, Pete, if if you get a chance to talk to Pete after the service, I would encourage you, where are you, Pete? You still in here? Jump up and down, where are you? There you are, right there. This guy, the, the, the great thing about what he said in this moment up here is that his life has been changed. If you spend five minutes with that guy, I'm going to tell you that you're going to walk away saying to yourself, and the Lord has been working in his life. He's different. See, the Lord is at work in the lives of those in this church. He's transforming us to the image of Christ. He's doing something in this place, in our hearts. And men, let me tell you, when God is at work in a body of believers, I can promise you the enemy is seeking to destroy what God is doing. He wants to mess this thing up. He wants to bring confusion. He wants to bring division. He wants to bring unrest. He wants to bring opposition. He wants to work in this place. Our church is under attack. The threat is real. And we will not be able to face that threat as a church if you as men are not alert. If you're not paying attention if you're not being concerned about spiritual things. And Paul goes right into the next phrase, which I think is the best description of how you are to be on alert. What does being on alert mean? For you as men, it means when you see something wrong, you get in and fix it. When you're looking around, you're looking for opportunities to step in and make a difference. When you see something needs to be done, you get it done. You're alert. You're looking for the opportunities. When you hear something that's not in in line with the truth, you step in and you give correction in love. You are alert for the things that the enemy might use to bring about destruction. And you are alert for the things that God is doing in order to transform lives. And you're willing to be a part of it. And Paul describes this this mentality in the next phrase. He says, stand firm in the faith. If you want to be alert, the greatest way for you to be alert in this place is to make sure that you are continually standing firm in the faith. If I were to describe what what biblically standing firm in the faith looks like, the description that I would give biblically is that when you encounter difficulty in trials, you do not waver from walking in the truth. 
when you encounter temptations and opportunities to turn away from the Lord, you make extra effort to turn towards the Lord. You standing firm in the faith is making sure you are staying true to the Lord Jesus Christ in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of opportunities to walk away from the Lord. You are standing with the Lord even when it's difficult. You're standing firm in the faith. That is the picture of spiritual warfare. That is the picture of what it, our job is as men in the church to stand firm no matter what. As men in the faith in the midst of whatever challenge, whatever change, whatever transition, whatever difficulty, we stand firm in following whatever it is that Jesus Christ has called us to do. That as men, we stand firm no matter what opportunities are presented to us as opportunities to serve ourselves. We stand firm in the faith. No matter what temptation comes, we choose to resist that temptation, to flee from that temptation, to surround ourselves with other men who want to walk with Christ because we know that there is nothing like the important gift we can give to the church like standing firm in the faith. Men, if there's anything that can cause a ripple of destruction in the church, it's one man's unfaithfulness to Jesus Christ. One man causes a ripple. They can affect an entire church. We do not want to aid in the destruction of the enemy. We want to stand firm in the faith. And again, Paul links these phrases, these challenges together. He says, be on alert. And you should be on alert by standing firm in the faith. And you should be standing firm in the faith. Acting like men. What Paul is conveying here is that he wants us to grow up and act like we are grown up men. To not act like children. To, to not embrace childish ways, but to move into maturity and act like we've grown up. You know, men are not supposed to act like little boys. There is nothing more frustrating or disappointing are simply disgusting than a man who chooses to live irresponsibly, who chooses to live self-centered, who chooses to live self-serving, who chooses to be despondent to the responsibilities that are uniquely his. There is nothing more disappointing and frustrating than for a man to act like a little boy with the responsibilities that God has laid on his life. We are to act like Men, we're to act like we're grown up, being responsible for the things that God has laid on us as men. And there is not a more significant way for you men to exhibit maturity than for you to be men who initiate spiritual direction. Not everybody can fill the same roles of leadership. But every man can fill a role of initiating spiritual direction. Every single man in this place who calls upon Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior has the responsibility as a man to act like a man spiritually, which means you are called to initiate spiritual direction. In your home, 
you bear the primary responsibility for initiating spiritual direction? Are you acting like a man? Or are you still acting like a boy? In your workplace, you bear the responsibility as a man of God to initiate spiritual direction in an oftentimes unspiritual place. God did not place you in your place of employment so that you might provide for your family. No, it's God's responsibility to provide for your family. He placed you in that place of employment so that you might be a light in the darkness. It is your responsibility to initiate spiritual direction in the places that you work. Are you acting like a man? Are you still toying with boyhood? In the church, you are to initiate spiritual direction. It ought to be the characteristic of a church where God is working. And I certainly believe we're moving this direction. But it ought to be the characteristic in a church where God is at work. Where the men are willing to volunteer such that they don't have to wait to be asked. They are actually stepping forward and saying, I see this need. I see this opportunity. I know what we're doing. I know where we're going. And I'm going to be a part of it. You just point me in the direction. You don't have to point me in the direction. I'm just going to get busy. I mean, men initiate spiritual leadership when God is at work in their lives. Are you acting like a man in the church? Because, frankly, that's what we need here. Is we need men who act like men. Paul connects that challenge with the next one. He says, be strong. You need to be on alert. To be on alert, you've got to stand firm in the faith. If you're going to stand firm in the faith, you need to make sure you act like a man. If you're going to act like a man, you need to be strong. I think of this concept of being strong. What, what echoes in my heart is I do not want to live a life where my compromises are the legacy I leave. I want to live a life where I leave a mark for the glory of God. And that requires strength to stand strong continually. And guys, if you think about the men in your circle of relationships, I'm certain that you can think of men who have compromised. I have multiple friends of mine through the years that have compromised in their faith. They have at moments failed to be strong and have fallen into grave sin. And I promise you, those men that I have personal relationships with who have walked through that and come back to standing in the faith, have come back to trusting in the Lord and seeking to act like men, I promise you, if they stood up here today, one of the things they would say to you men is do not fall into compromise like me. They would beg you to be strong 
and not to fall into compromise, to be on alert and realize the threat is much higher than your level of alertness, and to pay attention to Christ, to stand firm in the faith, do whatever it takes so you might be strong and leave a mark for the glory of God. Because the shame of compromise is overwhelming. It cannot be erased. It can be forgiven, but it leaves its mark. Be strong, men. I promise you that's what they'd say. One of the greatest messages to my life in this regard. And oh, how I want to heed it to the day I die. Was a letter that I received from my father. And in that letter, he said, Kevin, I love you. And I want you. I pray that you will learn from the mistakes that I made. And you will not make them yourself. Every man who has failed to be strong would stand before you and say, learn from what I did and do not do it yourself. Be strong. There's a description in Scripture about the mighty men of of David, some of the famous warriors that stood by him. The description's in 1 Chronicles 12, and I just want to read to you quickly just a paraphrase of that description of these men that stood by David. These men were armed for action. They were mighty men of valor. They were men of allegiance, famous men in their father's house, men who understood the times in which they lived, who knew what they should do and did it. Seasoned, fully equipped, with singleness of purpose, men who were ready, men of intention, men of vision, The vision to bring glory to their king. That's the description of the men that surrounded David. The historical account of the kind of men that stood fast beside their king. Men, if we are not intentional with the way we live, If we just let life happen and we just go about just doing whatever comes and just surviving to make ends meet and just kind of living through life, if we just kind of walk through life and let it happen to us, the statistics tell us that this will be a description of who we become. He was a man who was unarmed and unprepared, he was weak. A man of fear, a man of self-centeredness, infamous for his failures and sin. A man who was caught in the times in which he lived, who knew what he should do and did not do it. Ill-equipped, lacking in real purpose. A man who missed the opportunities. A man of apathy. A man who lost sight of a king for which to live. Men, I don't want any of us in this place to be that man. I want us to be strong. Paul finishes his challenge with verse 14. He says, let all you do be done in love. I'm going to tell you guys, I can't imagine a more more revealing display of godly strength than all you do being done in love. 
Another way to think about this command here of making sure that everything you do is done in love is just make sure that all the stuff you're doing, everything that's going on in your life, that in that you're doing the right things. Here's what I mean by that. There's a lot of us in this place. You have to go to work every day. You've got to do things at the house during the week. You've got responsibilities. Thankfully, we don't have to mow the grass much right now, but we've got other responsibilities. We've we got stuff going on at the house. We've got stuff going on with our kids. Each of us guys has some things you like to do. Some of us like to hunt or fish. Some of us like to build things. Some of us like to do other things. We all have a, 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 an area of hobby. We, we've got stuff that we do in our lives as men. And what I'm telling you is to make sure that in all you're doing, you do the stuff that matters most. So if you choose to spend some time in a hobby, you see that as a vehicle for loving other people and helping them know Christ. You bring some other people along with you in that so that they can know and see Christ in that. So that what you do in your house with all the responsibilities and the constant you know, things that are coming at you at home, you say, I've got to do all this stuff, but I'm going to make sure that in the stuff that I'm doing, I do the right things. So in the demands of the kids' activities, you're going to make sure that in the midst of those, those activities, you instill Christ-like virtues and lessons of truth. So you take every opportunity informally and formally to teach and show Christ. We, we all got all kinds of stuff going on, but let everything you do be done in the right ways. Let it be seasoned and filled and, and driven by love for Christ. I'm not asking any of you men to necessarily change drastically the things you do. I'm asking you to consider how you do the things you do. Make sure that the how you do the things you do is seasoned with the love of Jesus Christ. And when it is, guess what you're going to discover? That there are some things you need to sacrifice in order to stand in the faith. There are some things that need to change in order to be on alert. There are some things that need to be transformed in order for you to be strong and to stand firm against the enemy and make disciples for Jesus Christ. But when you seek to do all that you're doing in love, you're going to be in a perfect position for God to change the things that need to be changed so that you act like a man and are not lulled into the deception and the temptation of being a boy in the Spirit. Follow Christ. Follow Christ. I'm going to tell you, this moment in the life of Southside Baptist Church just might be one of the most critical moments in the 11 years that I've been here. This moment in the life of Southside Baptist Church just might be the most critical moment in all the years I've been here. We are seeking to make some transitions. By the way, that's a nice way to say change. We, we are hoping that you are you're kind of deceived into thinking transitions is good, change is bad. But we're seeking to make some changes, some transitions here because we want, listen to this, this is why. We want God to be able to continue to do what He's doing 
in the lives of people in this church. And so we're responding to what he's doing by saying, God, we're willing to change, to transition to whatever we need to do for you to be able to continue to transform lives. We want to transition. We want to change. We're willing. If you'll lead us, we'll do whatever you're calling to do because we want you to continue to reach people for Jesus Christ through us. And so we're trying to make some transitions. And we're right in the middle of it. And we need everybody to own that. We need every man in this place to believe that what God is calling us to do as a church to reach people for Christ is your own. That you're on board with what God's saying and you're willing to follow Him no matter what so that you see the transition from the right perspective, the perspective of seeing lives transformed, following Jesus Christ so people's lives can be changed. And we need every man to lead out in this. We need every member of this church, every person who attends this church to say, yes, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to reach people for Jesus Christ. And I want to remind you that Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 and 12 tells us that there are people in the church like apostles and preachers and teachers who are supposed to equip the members of the church for the work of the ministry. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. What that tells me is that if you're a member of the church, that you are called to do ministry to be serving in this place. So that if you are here today and you would say, I am a Christian, then what you have just said is, I will serve the Lord in the church. That's what you've just said. If you say, I am a believer in Jesus Christ, then the church and its leaders are to equip the church and its members to do the work of the ministry, which means every single one of us is not to ask the question, am I supposed to serve? Every single one of us is to ask the question, where am I supposed to serve? If we don't come to that perspective as a church, and men, if you don't lead out in that perspective, our attempt to transition to transform lives will fail. What we're seeking to do in August will not succeed because I get up here and preach twice. It will only succeed if every one of us say, I am a follower of Christ, I will serve in the church, and we will follow Christ to transform lives. That's the only way this is going to work. You have to be on board. And if you claim to be a Christian, then you have already made the decision that you will serve. And what I want to encourage you to do is figure out where. So what's coming? Well, on August 14th, we are going to transition our Sunday morning worship so that at 9.30, we'll have a worship time and a Sunday school time running together. And then at 11 o'clock, we'll have another worship time and another Sunday school time running together. So it'll be two worship times, two Sunday school times. You'll be able to choose which Sunday school hour, which will dictate which worship hour. Or you can choose which worship hour, and that'll dictate which Sunday school you go to. Now, we're not 
giving out all the details about all the Sunday school classes. We'll do that on June the 26th, hopefully, in the family meeting. You'll get more of the details about when is your Sunday school class going to be and when worship is going to be and all those details that you want to know right now. We're going to give those out in the family meeting. Here's what I want you to, to hear from me this morning. We're going to make changes. But the only way those changes will be successful is if every single one of us say, I'm going to follow the Lord in this. Which means, men, you've got to initiate spiritual direction. And you need to initiate it in the way of serving. There's no way that we can accomplish this if some of you don't step up because we have critical areas of need. In this brochure that we have available, (coughs) I hope every one of them is gone after today. This brochure has in it all the areas of our church that you can serve. Now, there are some areas that are critical for this transition. Areas like Sunday school teachers, youth workers, nursery workers, children's workers, um, worship team members. These are critical areas. We have to have people step forward. And what we're asking you to do is over the next several weeks, read through this, prayerfully consider where you might make a commitment, and we're asking for every single one of you to make a one-year commitment. From August 1st this year to July 31st of next year, we want you to commit for one year to one area of service. We cannot make this transition. If you do not serve, if this does not happen, we will not make this transition. Does that, does that make sense? Is that clear? The only way we are going to be able to do this is if you make a year commitment to serve in this church. Otherwise, it's not going to work. See, we're not doing this for any other reason except we believe this is where God's leading us. And the only way that God's going to affirm that and accomplish it is through the people in this place saying, yes, I will follow the Lord. So I want you to pray about it. I want you to spend time thinking through it, asking questions. If you want to ask ministry leaders, whatever you ask, you have have from today all the way to July the 10th to be praying about this and considering this. On July the 10th, we're going to have this ministry fair. Get in the game. It's going to be on Sunday morning, 1030. We're going to come in here. We're going to talk through this. We're going to make sure we understand. I'm I'm going to challenge you to respond to the Lord. And then we're all going to move from here over to the gym where all these booths and tables are going to be set up with ministry leaders, and you're going to take a commitment card that you've checked off and said, I'm committing my life to a year of service in this area. You're going to hand deliver that to a ministry leader, and you're going to say, I'm on board for a year. You can count on me. Let me know what to do. And while you do that, you're going to have a light lunch. It's not going to be anything fancy, but at least you won't be able to say I had to leave because I was hungry. There will be food there. So you're going to go over there, you're going to do that, we're just going to fellowship, we're going to, we're going to get into this. We're going, to, we're going to make this a big deal. And so if, if you want to follow the theme, get in the game and wear like a, a school jersey or a school t-shirt. And you know, if everybody in here wants to wear something Aggie, that'd be, I know God would move that day. And so if you want to do that, you know, you can dress and get all into it and stuff. If you don't want to do that, that's fine, no problem, just make a year commitment. That's the only thing that I'm being critical of. If you're a, a follower of Jesus Christ, you're in this church, and you don't make a commitment to serve the Lord, and you just keep sitting on the sidelines instead of getting in the game, then as a church, we have a reason to call you to obedience. This is not a question of options. This is an issue of a church following Christ 
to change so that lives can be transformed. And men, I can't say it enough. You've got to initiate. You've got to initiate. By the way, on August 14th, when we do two worship services, um, let's say that you have a youth and the youth is going to come to a service that you're not going to be in because you're in a different Sunday school class. And so your youth is going to be sitting up here and you're going to be in Sunday school. And then you'll be in here while they're in Sunday school, which is a possibility. If that happens, I just want you to know that what your youth hears and experiences will be the same exact thing you hear and experience. We're going to have two identical services. So the only difference between that scenario and the scenario we have right now is that you can't see them acting up. But trust me, I see them. And Jamie sits right there for a reason. We will thump them if they need it. So you don't have to worry about that. We're going to have the same exact service. Whatever service you choose to come to, we're going to do the same thing so that we as a church continue to experience the movement of God in the same way. All right? Now, on on July the 10th, we're going to have this ministry fair. We want you to come be a part of that. Be praying about it. Pick up this brochure. Now, June 26th, we're going to have a family meeting. We're going to lay out some more details. We've got this parking lot we're trying to get finished. By the way, um, we've already had almost $30,000 just given to the parking lot. Isn't that incredible? That's exciting. Yeah, it's awesome. I I hadn't even started twisting your arm for money yet, and here it comes. I I think it's just great. But here's the deal. It's going to take more money. Now, we are doing all the investigation to put our 47 acres up on 277 Rebecca Lane up for sale. We're moving that direction. We talked to some realtors, some commercial real estate people. We are, we are moving in that direction to get that thing on the market so, so that if God would, would will it, we could sell it, and that would produce some income for us to be able to do some of the things we need to do. But we have to be giving over and above our normal giving to keep moving forward in some of the necessary transitions. The primary one is the parking lot. But we're really close to being able to get that thing done. We're moving forward in that because we've received that money. We can move, take steps forward. So we're going forward. But until God, through us, enables us to move forward financially, we're not going to. So we've got to be faithful to give. Now, what I'm not asking you to do is to go into debt or make dumb decisions with your money. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm telling you to be faithful with the Lord in your stewardship and give above what you normally give as you are enabled by the Lord. Now, that may mean that you need to sacrifice some things in order to give if God lays it on your heart. But listen, I only want you to do what God lays on your heart so you can be cheerful in that giving. Be generous. Be in this thing to sacrifice for your life, of your life, for the Lord. We've got other things we've got to do in the facilities to make the transition more efficient. We want to put some covered areas, walkways, so we can make the transition from the Sunday school building all the way over to here, out the outside in front, and get a kind of a clockwise movement. We've got some ideas and things that we want, to, we want to throw out to you guys in the family meeting. That's going to take money, all right? But all of that stuff is not primary. What's primary is our hearts before the Lord being willing to serve him that'll make it happen that's what god can use people who say i want to serve you and i'm just asking you today to make a decision to sacrifice to follow christ in this place and specifically i'm asking you men to lead